podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it All right, y'all, we're going to continue this conversation about rejection. Uh, Andrew, I want to talk to you about... um, Content versus yes. meaningful creations. I hear you use this word sometimes about, about being in the content business. Yeah, and I think I think while that's that's true, I, I think also like content has really become the problem. Ooh, go talk to me. I, I think <laughs> content has become this thing where everyone is becoming a content creator. That's a good point, Alex. It, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> and and a lot of people who are content creators don't have anything meaningful to say because they feel compelled to just create content. Sure. I have to do something. It started with social media when mm. it was like, hey, look at the pancake I'm eating for breakfast. I'm creating content, right? And now the same thing is happening with beautiful video. You'll see like beautiful drone footage of the most vapid bullshit. And you're like, what? Why am I watching? Like, I was seduced into watching this because yeah. it's 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 pretty, yeah. but it's not doing anything for me. It's empty calories. It's it's the candy of content. Uh, of of content, right? Yeah. And and what Ryan and I try to focus on instead of creating content is we produce meaningful creations. And, and whether it's a documentary that we have on Netflix, whether it's our books, whether it's our blog, whether it's our podcast. What we're trying to do, and I think this is what you're trying to do too, is we're trying to add value to other people's lives. It's not creating content just for the sake of creating content. And and it, I think what you do sort of merges the informative with the entertaining. Mm. And, and so the, the entertainment is the sort of candy coating around something that is informative and also gets, gets people talking, especially with respect to your comedy. So, so and what do you think about that delineation between, between content and, and creations? Absolutely. I think it's great. And like, as people just start, you know, throwing more and more stuff on a wall and seeing what sticks, I think mm-hmm. there'll be more of the uh, content, less of the meaningful creations. I guess the way I get around it is I only do things that give me joy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So Absolutely. it's like every project I do, I have to enjoy the creation. If I enjoy the creation, anything after that is icing on the cake. Yeah. I think I think also I would maybe add one thing. You enjoy it, but also it serves some sort of purpose. Yeah, the joy to me. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Literally joy to me. That It has to start with joy to me. Now, maybe I could get joy out of doing a project that I know helps other people. Uh-huh. Maybe I get joy out of doing a project that's completely selfish, and then that ends up helping people even more. Mm. But it starts with, do I like this? Yeah. Uh-huh. Do I Does this bring me joy? One life, very short, maximize joy it's not like you're looking at uh oh i told that joke about x y and z and oh i need to i need to stay on that subject because that one got a lot of likes so that one got a lot of views yeah no i don't care yeah you know what i mean i mean like, there's a there's a business model of that where you're like oh okay this is what's working mm-hmm. and if i sure. do joyful things in this area then i'll put those out as well right. but there's the creative 
in me that that really just cares about you know enjoying what I'm doing. I, I think back to Vita and what she was talking about. You know, like well, that question that she had when yeah. we were we were yeah. filming this. We're another day, so this is we're, <laughs> that's why he's wearing a different shirt. I'm wearing a different shirt. I didn't have a. This is my maximal episode uh, attire. But um, but yeah, I think back to that question that she had about you know when you stop loving the thing that you do just because it becomes something you do for a living and it's like I don't think you can stop loving it as long as you're doing as long as you're getting joy out of that that thing itself you might hate the business around it and mm-hmm. I think we've all been in that yeah. situation I mean like writing the book might be so much fun and then like getting someone to publish it or go going through all these meetings about publishing like having notes about things that you don't think you should change at all it's like you've never written a book i write books you know why would you tell me how to write this book right so like that sucks well you like <laughs> when you have uh, corporate executives telling you like how to modify a joke um <laughs> it, it's like dude you do your fucking job this is my job right. your job is to make sure the business pays the bills that's what you do, right? And, and, and to to market what you're doing, to to that's my job. Even. Uh, right. You don't it even know now. how to do that, r- r- you know right? What I mean? right. Like, if you knew how to do that, you wouldn't tell me to have followers, <laughs> right? You would have the followers. Like, they're so dumb, these people. It's like in business, you want to maintain a moat, right? Like, uh, like say what you want about that UFC guy Dana White, right? Mm, like, right. maybe he doesn't pay all his fighters, all that kind of shit like that, but okay. he does everything he possibly can to protect the brand of the business. You're watching mm. UFC, and then a couple guys you know, might be trying to kill each other on it, but it's UFC, uh-huh. right? Yeah. The networks did the other thing. They were like, and the comedy clubs did it too. They're like, hey, go out there and get some followers. Mm. How many followers do you have? Mm, right. Do you have an audience? Do you have a fan base? So we're like, fuck, we gotta get an audience, we gotta get a fan base, right? And then we got an audience and a fan base, and we came to them. We're like, hey, yeah, it's going to cost us this much for you know do the show. And they're like, well, we're only paying this much. And it's like, yeah, but I have an audience and fan base now, mm-hmm. so you got to pay me for that, right? So yeah. they really thought, <laughs> they really thought that we were going to go out, get our own audience, get our own fan base, and then take the same check. <laughs> Where that becomes toxic is um, when the point becomes it's like the you fo- cooked your own dinner, brought it to the restaurant, and they expect you to. They expect you to pay just because you're eating it there. Wait, isn't that like what they do with the hibachi places or whatever? Dude, right? that shit is it's so a genius model. But yeah, but that's why these the Japanese are so fucking smart. Is like they've tricked us into thinking they're cooking, right? Like everything about their food is like I'm gonna lay this fish on top of this rice, and it's like, wait, you didn't even cook the fish, did you? Don't say anything about that. <laughs> like even the poke bowl, right? The poke bowl yeah. is like. We're not even rolling it anymore. <laughs> just dump it in the bowl. It's, but they got us. They got us so souped up into yeah. oh this artisanal way of making food, and we care so much about it. It's like no, literally. There's a bunch of Japanese people going. What can we get white people to buy now? <laughs> Put it in a bowl. Put it in a cone. <laughs> sushi, sushi no. cone. Put it in a cone. They'll buy it. Oh, I want that cone one. Yeah. Oh, you mean the same not, sushi thing? I'm not gonna lie. That sounds delicious. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, just, see, that's that's exactly how the Japanese innovate. Yeah. There'll be another thing. <clears throat> So, so there has been, become this point uh, where Ryan and I were in a very similar situation to you. We, we started The Minimalist eight years ago, and it, was, it really just started as this blog where we were both in the corporate world back in Dayton, Ohio, uh, born and raised in a sort of blue-collar town, grew up really poor, and decided, well, that wasn't going to make us happy, so let's make a lot of money in the corporate world. Let's work 80 hours a week throughout our mm-hmm. 20s, climb the corporate ladder, became middle management, 
I uh, thought we were on top of the world, but of course, as you get higher up the ladder, you realize there's a whole mo- lot more ladder. You also realize it's leaned against the wrong building, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And, and then it becomes too scary to, to uh, I guess, jump down. So you just keep climbing back up. You keep going going up. And so we, we reached this point of, of discontent by, by the time we were 30 years old and, and walked away from that lifestyle that wasn't bringing us joy. Right. And, and and because money was the the main thing we were we were chasing. Like I made really good money in the corporate world, a couple hundred thousand dollars in the corporate world, but I spent even better money and so I had massive amounts of debt as right. a result, right? And so we walked away, we started this little blog, and then from there we we didn't have the same opportunities because I got turned down by a bunch of publishers, a bunch of agents. Yeah. And so Ryan and I and a friend, we said, okay, let's let's do this right. I don't want to self-publish a book. What if we start our own publishing company? We hired some interns. We hired an editor. We went through the whole process. Yeah. And now we own the rights to all three of all, all three of our books. And we make a living from, from doing that. And then from that came other opportunities, touring and, and the Netflix documentary. The Netflix thing was fascinating because they turned us down. Really? <laughs> yeah. The first time. And then yeah. they turned us down the second time. So we, we did a theatrical release after they turned us down. It, it went pretty well. Uh, but people don't go to movie theaters to watch documentaries. When's the last time you went to a movie theater to watch a documentary? Never. 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 Right. And so so after we went through that, we, we said, okay, we're going to put it out online. Netflix said no again. Mm. So we are like, all right, let's go to iTunes. Let's go to Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll put it out on our own. And it did so well on iTunes. Finally, Netflix came back and said, "Oh, okay, yeah, well, we'd we'll, love to we'll, license that, right? Well, <laughs> we'll take it." And and the to their credit, though, um, you know, their their algorithms and everything else helped everything else they were doing. You know, huh. the, the rising tide lifted the boats of the books well, and, and everything else. It's like we were talking about yesterday. It's yeah. like the Netflix and all these networks—they're a sailboat. Mm. They can only go the way the wind pushes them. So you change the wind. Right, right. And it, you know what I mean? Like you push the wind in your direction. They're like, okay, I'll come. And that's that's really what you've done. I mean, you've had you've had what is considered to be traditional success, whether it was on MTV yeah. or or yeah. Tons uh, of the sitcom you did, uh, Benders, Benders and, yeah. and, and other TV shows and stuff you've been on, and and that was one route. Yes. And there's nothing inherently wrong with with that route. In fact, it works for some people within within a particular model. Right. But the gatekeepers are becoming less and less important. Yeah. And, and I found that... They're protecting a gate with nothing behind it. Mm. Mm. Talk about that. There's just nothing behind it. There's nothing like... The gates gave you access to eyeballs. Right. Right? But now if you're bringing your own followers, you have access to those eyeballs. You can, and I, I have a place for eyeballs. my content. Yeah. I aggregate my own eyeballs. Like So the gate that you had now has way fewer eyeballs. Mm. Matter of fact, I can get more views outside of your gate. Mm. So the only thing that they have still is money. Mm. And that will last like maybe three more years. Mm. Why do you think it's that soon? And that's, I think, long shot. Really? Yeah, and wow. I, I think- I think What's the last sitcom that's done well? I don't, I don't I, I literally let's go, don't Let's know. go over shows. Yeah. When they were in their heyday, mm-hmm. networks would make 20 pilots during pilot season. Right now we're in pilot season. Okay. And one would get on air. Isn't that funny? I didn't even know we were in pilot season right now. You used to hear about it all the time. Even as an outsider, you would yeah. hear about it. It's done. Well, pilot season is also done because oh. they're just, Netflix is like, we'll just make shows all year round. Why are we just doing pilot season? <laughs> what idiots. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, um, if if we sit here and go, what was what is the latest sitcom to crush it? None of us can name one. No. And no. we can't name one for multiple years. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Like, the only ones that have 
any notoriety are ones that play into niche audience or following. Big Bang Theory type. Big Bang Theory is 10 years in. This is like, that's yeah. that's oh. what's grandfathered into it, right? Yeah. They're like the last one. Yeah. I'm talking about you have to go after, you have to go after black women. Mm. You know what I mean? You have to go to Asian males or something. Uh-huh. Like you have to get really niche and underrepresented so people come watch. Mm-hmm. That's the only way to do but it. But you don't have a universal hit that There's way. There's no more universal hit. And if the networks were smart and they're not, they're very stupid. But if they were smart, and it's not that they're stupid, it's that everybody's everybody's patting the, each other on the back so they're not seeing what's coming. Does that make sense? Yeah, like yeah. everybody's involved in this system so they can't really look out of it. You know, they're like flat earthers. They're literally flat earthers. Yeah. You know, and it's like, but none of them see the edge. Mm. At the, of course, the, the world's flat when you're in the middle. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. But, you know, all of us are at the edge and like, oh no, that shit goes around. You know? <laughs> so it's like, like every one of these people, they don't, realize what works on TV. If I was a network executive in a dying business and it is dying, what I would do is every show I would make would be about tapping into nostalgia. Mm. That's the only way you get people to watch so now. The Roseanne thing. So Roseanne is a different is is the exact same thing but more expensive. The reason it's more expensive is cuz you're paying for an existing property. Okay. Right? right. And but exactly it works. Even that uh new show with um Kevin James, it's like it's not the old Kevin James show. But, but effectively, it is. is it's the right? same ingredients. Okay. It's right. the same ingredients, right? It's it's, uh, it's what you were just talking about with sushi, right? It's like when well, you put it in a hand roll. It's but the it's Poke really, Bowl of yeah. the Kevin James show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I would do is, and a couple networks have done this really well. BET has done this really well. What they've done is done short form miniseries based on cultural events that we all remember and have taken part in, right? The things where we go, I remember where I was when. Mm-hmm. So the OJ documentary came out. Everybody, not everybody, but a large portion of society goes, I remember where I, where I was when OJ was driving on the, the Bronco, Bronco. Yeah. right? I remember where I was when the guilty verdict came in. I remember exactly where I was yeah, when. Me too. So it's like, you. what I would do is, the business is dying, but there's a few bucks to make before we're out of here. Mm-hmm. I would do everything in that form. And if I was a comedy channel, I find the funny parts in history we all take part of. If I was a drama channel, I find the dramatic parts in history we all take part of. And this all comes from like cultural coding. This comes from what what is gonna make me watch this TV? What is gonna make me do this? The selfish experience that I want to feel the feelings I felt then. Like when, when I went to watch the Notorious B.I.G. movie. Mm-hmm. Eh, movie. But I just want to feel like I was around Biggie, right? right I want to yeah. feel like, whoa, is that where he wrote that song? And what is that where he met Lil' Kim? Like, I just want to, it's a museum. Mm-hmm. You're giving me a museum. And weirdly enough, it's the exact same model that TV movies that none of us watched growing up had always done. Right. Right? They take the Tanya Hardy story or they take one of these stories and be like, all right, let's put it on Lifetime. And we would never watch. Maybe old people would watch, yeah. but that's the only thing that can save network TV now. You do four of those a year, and then you lose money on everything else. The Johnny Versace story, that shit went crazy. Everybody watched it. Yeah. The only things people, the Bobby Brown thing on BET, yeah. I would tap into whatever your brand is, if you have any brand left, I would find a story that fits in that, and then I'd do over the last 100 years, but I, I would say 50, but last 100, I'd find the story that fits in that. Even Narcos, when you think about it, yeah. Narcos, they they grandfathered us in with this Escobar story, and we were familiar enough with Escobar, so we're like, oh, I do remember what's going on here. Mm-hmm. I do, oh, even the Iran movie with Ben Affleck. There are older people that were like, oh, I remember that story. What was happening here? You need to get 
intimate uh-huh. with us. Uh-huh. We're not just going to watch shit like we used to because we're bored. We yeah. got tons of shit to watch. So you need to get deeper yeah. inside me. That's what I would do. Well, why why are we as creators? Why all? Why, that model has been out there for a long time, the permission-based model. And for a long time, it was necessary because you didn't have access to the people the same way you do now. You always had access to people, but you had to be the guy totally. selling you know, mixtapes on Hollywood Boulevard yeah. or whatever. Uh, and that still exists today. Uh, and right. it, it, In right. fact, that's a perfect metaphor. There's a guy out there right now, I guarantee, you go down Hollywood Boulevard, mm-hmm. there's a guy trying to sell you CDs. Yeah. Um, and I... I that is that seems to me to to be the sort of network model Dude, where they're they're clinging to that. that laugh at him as they walk by into their office and then go do the same thing <laughs> like but they don't realize it yeah. but it's like you're selling CDs money you're like you're casting a sitcom <laughs> sitcoms don't, there are no more sitcoms <laughs> they those are dead sitcoms will be done in mm. Maybe five years. Well, sitcoms as they are now, you could do your own sitcom. You, you and Alex Media over here could, could but it, film. But it won't be a sitcom, though. It will be a series of sketches. Right. Because right. The, the, what we have right now is so nuanced and niche, mm. right, the way content works. Uh-huh. So instead of me, like, crafting a 30-minute narrative so that I can tell you these five, so I can show you these five different sketches, because uh-huh. that's what a sitcom is, right? Right, right. It's like five different sketches. Here is... You know, problem, solution, commercial. You were tethered to a format. Yes, but you need to fill 30 minutes or 22 because you have commercials, right? Right. So what what they would do is, okay, just give me some stupid story that starts here and ends here, but it doesn't really matter. I just want you to find a way where, um, trying to think of like a a, a very famous sitcom moment. Can we think of like a very famous... I don't the, know. But I, I, the muffin I, top one. Yeah. And, and perfect. Per, yeah. yeah for Seinfeld, right? Too, it's like, yeah. do you remember how that episode ended? No. Do you remember how it began? No. No. Because the episode is meaningless. <laughs> so you cut out the meaningless part of the TV, right? Mm. You just remember this muffin top moment. You remember these pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> I don't remember how that episode ended. I don't remember, I don't remember how it began. Yeah. Now, if we go to a drama, you remember beginning. You remember end. Mm-hmm. You remember the last episode of Sopranos. Right. You remember the beginning. I remember the beginning of the wire. I remember the end of the wire. Yeah. If you were like, remember that scene where he was smoking a crack? Like, no, not really. <laughs> so dramas will still exist in narrative, and those exist with that long arc. Oh, but sitcoms, man. it's a useless thing. Just what? give me the sketches. And, and I think that's ultimately what what you you were saying yesterday uh, when you talked about how you had friends who were watching these. Uh, comedy specials they really liked, but they weren't making it to the end of it. Nobody watches. And, and so that also ties into this, where you're looking for the attenuated version. You you want, in fact, you sort of need precision these days in, in order for people to to share it. Mm. Something that is an you hour long. <laughs> <laughs> there you right, go. Right, like you do, no? Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, you you have turned your you've re, you've turned a a sort of rejection into to success. Can we? And and I think part of that has to do with redefining what success means. Yes. And that's where we are with a lot of people right now is they're still looking to gatekeepers because they're saying, I have to get through the gate in order for that to be success. And they don't realize success actually lies on this side of the gate. Yes, because they don't don't know what they want. They're caught up in the success matrix. And it's very normal for you to do this because we've all done it, right? It's like when you don't know what you want, you just swim with the fish. Right. Right? Like if you ask a single fish what they want, they'll be like, 
I think I want to go this way. <laughs> and then all the other fish start going that way, and they're like, well, I guess I want to go that way. Right. right? So it's like they're just caught up with all these people in their same field trying to achieve the same thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're humans. That's what we do. You guys have seen those experiments where the people are in the elevator, and there's one subject, and the rest are like part of the experiment. And they just, everybody else just turns around. <laughs> right? They yeah. start looking the other way. Yeah. And then that person who's the subject sees it and just turns around. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. we do. It's a natural human function. Like go we want to fit in, go with the flow, right? Yeah. So once you experience enough rejection, right, and you realize like the flow is not going to allow you to go that way, you start being comfortable going with your own flow and you really find out what it is you want, mm. what it is you truly want. Mm. And I think when you find out what you want, it's, it's, it's very liberating because a lot of times what you want is not the traditional flow. A lot of times that traditional flow is set up that way for people maybe at the top to further their endeavors, mm-hmm. right? It's like, hey, you know what you should do is come to the factory, work hard, do your job, and go home because that's yeah. what a good, you know, working class English person should do. And that's what the the, the current school system, which was set up in the 1870s, was yeah. set up people to do to work in in factories and to to sit there docile. And and now, of course, we we prescribe. ADD medication to kids who who have a lot of energy and we say there's something wrong with you because you can't sit in that chair for eight hours a day but they can play Fortnite for eight hours it's very (laughs) weird right it's like you (laughs) can't sit if you're like engaging them you know but yeah I agree with you man it's it's a it's a it's it's a it's a weird system and to be honest with you I don't knock working in a factory I think it's awesome and I think this is the best time in history to work at a factory right like really yeah because if you're allowed to have your headphones on in the factory, mm. you can get educated eight hours a day. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, I keep That's thinking about people it. who are security guards or who have these jobs where it's just like, all they got to do is just do a task, and then they have most of their brain for anything else. I would break up my eight hours. I'd do two hours of learning Spanish. Mm-hmm. I'd do two hours of listening to the Minimalism podcast and, <laughs> and figure out how I could really maximize my efficiency right i do another two hours of fucking my favorite sports or whatever it is but i would just i would like matrix neo style download information (laughs) into my fucking brain like what a cool opportunity i think it's a very cool opportunity if if you don't mind doing that job and then you have 16 more hours a day yeah you have another you have eight to sleep so you have another eight to do whatever fucking hobby you want use that information to do whatever you want like there is it's the yeah. reason that podcasts i mean it's weird that we're in this podcast sort of revolution right now but i mean radio has been around for a long time but now we are in a weird way in the second heyday of radio yes. yeah and and i mean video is great or whatever but the the you're able to be passive with audio and do whatever else you want whether it's that because if you want to watch youtube you can't really do that in the job the factory job right. at the same time right but you have those earbuds in your ears you are it's like you're there well, with good podcasts it's like you're there in the in, combo, right? in the conversation mm-hmm. uh, there was I, I was listening to a recent episode of yours and you were talking about uh you all brought up i don't, I don't know alex if you were there but uh you were saying what about the gorilla diet Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
<laughs> and like I, for me, I wanted to just like, well, they have much larger colons. That's why they, they and like I wanted to get involved in the conversation. And those are the best. <laughs> Wait a minute, why is it? Yeah. So yeah. To, to to preface it for everybody, I didn't understand like why we have to eat so much protein to gain muscle, but gorillas just eat leaves all day and they're fucking yoked. Yeah. I mean, so when we when we branched off, you know, many many uh, millennia ago, um, basically we evolved to have much larger small intestines okay. and and much smaller large, large intestines <laughs> right okay and, and yeah. because of that they, they can have they can ferment things a whole lot longer in their gut the, the colon the large intestine yeah. allows you to ferment the the fruits and vegetables so they get all those nutrients out of ah, them we just we, it right we, out. yeah yeah we don't get the nutrients from them the same way in fact that's the reason that we that you know and i know it's a, a weirdly controversial statement but um that when we eat meat, we were able to absorb all the nutrients because we absorb them in our in our small intestine, and they don't. Right, right, yeah. They oh, have much so their bodies are are built to eat, obviously eat the vegetation. Mm-hmm. Our bodies are built to eat meat. Right. So this veganism shit is nonsense. <laughs> Biologically speaking, it's nonsense. Well, to, no, to, we're, to we're, an extent, I mean, we're built to we're we're built to be able to eat both, and that's the reason we survived for yeah. so long is is because our bodies we could adapt to different climates, and while while other primates they they just totally went went extinct because as the climate changed, Ooh, you might have to eat meat that day. Right. You might not be there. Might not be any vegetation. You might not have access to vegetation, and then there are other one uh, there are other uh, um, animals who have died off because they stopped having access to meat and they're like well i can't you think of a cat like a cat can't eat vegetables uh rogan has that whole vegan cat <laughs> yeah, if you uh, want to really I piss don't... yourself off man like go search hashtag vegan cat and like it is it's a it's a mess <laughs> well they just cannot eat it they just hate it well well, yeah, the, well, I mean, the, yeah. the, their, their digestive system doesn't work with with uh, with vegetation, right? And with vegetables, right. so uh, I mean, it will for a while, but they can't really extract the nutrients out of it the same way we can. Now we can do both, and that's why you have healthy vegans. Someone like Rich Roll, who's been on our podcast, is the healthiest yeah. person I've ever met. Super healthy. Yeah, and and then you have healthy carnivores, literally people who eat nothing but meat. Right. There's the, the there are the. Um, uh, implications, uh, the ethical implications of, of eating meat, and that's something that you know we could certainly talk about. But but when it comes to us being able to do both, the reason we've evolved so well was we can eat meat and we can eat vegetables when other species could only Perfect. eat one or the other. We're Prius. Yeah. yeah the, the, pro- the problem. <laughs> we are Prius. <laughs> we are a hybrid Prius. That's it. The problem with diets is like when we start to say this one diet is what everyone should do. Yes. That is uh, that's where we get into trouble. But you know, t- going to the the gatekeepers and and putting our creations out there, man. It's the same way. It's like when we tell ourselves, oh, there's only this one way that I can get my creation out there. There's only one way that I can, uh, you know, get get the eyeballs and get the audience. Like that's that's where we, 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 we might mess up, man. Because think about all the platforms that all of us are on, man. I mean, we got yeah. books, podcasts, uh, documentary mm-hmm. and social media. Yeah, social media. I mean, there, there are so many tools out there. And I think when it comes to 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 having good creations to, to being successful with it. And when I say successful, I'm not talking like being millionaires. I'm not talking about, you know, getting a million views or a million likes, but s- success as far as a certain project can go. If, if you're consistent, if, if, if you, if you have a good quality of, yep. of, of a creation and, uh, and, it it's, and joy, it adds value, man. yeah. And it adds value. Like you're, you're probably going to have a, a level of success. 
You know, very strangely, Ryan, you and I have never had anything that's really gone viral. I mean, maybe the documentary on Netflix. Yeah. Um, we had that one article that was syndicated by Yahoo and it crashed our, <laughs> <laughs> it crashed our website once. Whoa. What was the article? Uh, I don't know. They did some interview. Um, yeah. But um, it, the... The thing that we've done over the last eight years is very steadily added value to people's lives. And our best social media platform is someone's email inbox. Because yeah, right. anytime we write something or a podcast goes out, it also goes to people's email inboxes. We have get those emails, man. hundreds <laughs> of thousands of people who who give us their email address, not because because we'll never, ever spam them, but yeah. we'll send them the show notes. And, and over time, what has happened is... It, we, we've built a, an audience who finds value in what we do and they're willing to share that with other people. And, and that's why we're successful, man. Yeah, yeah and, and I think the, the social media side of things, um, if you see something pop up on, I mean, Facebook, whenever you happen to be on Facebook, which is never, right? <laughs> but let's say you happen to be on Facebook, someone, some, one of your Facebook friends shares it with you, how likely are you to click on it? But if Alex sends you a link in, in your email and says, hey man, I really enjoyed this video clip this podcast yeah. whatever you're so much more likely yeah emails is more intimate yeah it's yeah. more private yeah you know, it's like yeah nobody can access this unless they not nobody but very few people can access my email mm. everyone in the world can access my dms or my instagram or twitter that kind of stuff that's a great mm. point i gotta get on that I gotta get on that email. Well, let us know how we can help. We'll we'll point you in the right direction. Please, yeah. Uh, we got great. some surprise voicemail questions here. Podcast, Sean, you gotta you wanna go through these? I think our first one is from Brandy in West Virginia. When you work a job that's cut and dry, how can you exercise or execute um, some creative freedom in that kind of job? I think we already answered your question, Brandy. Yeah. What a Brandy's got to be listening like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> this was my exact question. There's no way they're going to ask it. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so I, I mean, I don't know what her banal job is, but if it's something where you can carve out, I mean, for me, I, I think about, I always wanted to be a writer. Right. Andrew, I, but I was an aspiring writer, which right. means I just aspired every day, but didn't actually put words ah. on a page. Inspiration everywhere, man. Yes. I go to his house on the walls, ceiling. <laughs> now, I didn't have a job. I managed 150 retail stores, and so I didn't have a job where I could actually just uh, um, sit down and, and listen to podcasts or whatever. I was constantly interacting yeah, with people. Brain, yeah. Right, and and so I, I had to carve out an hour a day to start actually writing. I just got up an hour earlier. Instead of 5.45, I got up at 4.45 every morning and wrote for an hour. But if you have time throughout your day that you, know, you want to do something creative, man, find that time. Because for the longest time, it's weird. I I, I assume comedy is actually this way. I've, no, I've always said writing is the only profession that's this way. Mm. But I think comedy is this way too, where people think they're going to, uh, in writing, people think they're going to learn via osmosis. Like they're just, right. uh, they're just going to become, like, you don't become a bricklayer just by aspiring to become a bricklayer. Right. Uh, we were just talking to Alex uh, a moment ago, like the best way to learn how to use these cameras and everything else is like, just full immersion. Yes. Yeah. It's not reading books about writing. That, those right. can help. Those are tools. Yeah. But it's actually immersing, uh, uh, immersing yourself into the writing. Same. You do this every... You were doing a show last night, right? Yes. And so it's full immersion for you all the time. Yeah. It's not just uh, contemplating jokes. Totally true, man. It's you got to get in there. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. actually doing make it. make mistakes. Yeah. I think that was one of the, the coolest things that um, kind of liberated me creatively is it's not going to go right the first time. 
Like we make mistakes all the time, man. Talk, yeah, talk about the rejection you get with comedy, man. I'm, I'm, oh, tons. Certain at the beginning too, man. Like, I mean, tons of rejection with comedy. I mean, you know, everything is rejection in comedy. Just not only from the audience, from the clubs, from the people, from execs. It's just tons. That's that's the nature of the business. And but but like the idea that like outside of rejection, the idea that like you also made a mistake. You know, like we hey, we forgot to record audio. Oh yeah, and it's like there's a balance between. There's a balance between being upset about it and using that as a teaching moment for the next time. Yeah. This is never your last creation, right? right? Like, so I could easily just start yelling at Alex, and there's definitely times where I'll be yelling. I'll definitely yell at him. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But <laughs> like, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so a, but, I, but there's also things like, okay, now I think I'm at a way better le- place where I'm like, okay, so next time we need two, two Zoom audios. One for this and then one for that. Okay, next time. Okay, that's interesting. So it, the wide shot is a little this. Okay, okay, we got to tap into the board. All right, we know that next mm. time tap. Like just in San Diego, we we didn't have audio from the microphone for like three out of the four shows. Mm. I found that out last night. Wasn't even really upset about it. It was like, okay, now I know in the future that we have to find, if we ever do that club again, which we probably won't, but like whatever we do, we have to double check and make sure the audio is recording before. It's like a a checklist, you know? It's This is not the last show we're going to record. Now, it doesn't mean that you just let anything happen. Right. It means you learn from it. You fuck up once. That's my feeling. It, that, 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 we don't make the same mistake twice. Right. You experience pain, you don't experience suffering. Yeah. Yes, and, and, great. And, and to continue to continue experiencing that pain is to uh, be masochistic in a way, yeah, right? You're stupid. Where you're like, I'm just going to keep messing this up over and over and experiencing the same pain. And we, we've yeah. done that. We've been on nine tours in the last eight years. And so we did a, a hundred city book tour back in 2014. And messed up probably in almost mm. every city yeah but learn learn from that yeah. and carried what we learned forward <laughs> you kind of like fail to success almost always like you just got to keep failing and failing absolutely yeah. and, and once you accept that you can't wait to try right because yeah. being a perfectionist is crippling it, you'll put off trying things for years right you know yeah and it's like just out of fear of failure. Just out of fear of failure. And yeah. once you accept failure, you're like, why don't we just try it tomorrow? Because if it doesn't work, then we'll just keep on trying it again. <laughs> we know not to do it that Exa- way. Now I yeah. saved nine months, mm-hmm. right? So instead of waiting nine months to get it perfectly, I just did it the first month. And now I have eight more months to figure it out. Right. And doing it that, that first time, there's a distinction here. It's almost like a, a bell curve, right? Where, where you, it's not like, it's not going to be perfect. We know that. Oh. It's not even going to be ideal necessarily. But it's also not going to be, well, that's good enough. Right. You, you don't want to settle for, eh, that's good enough. I'll just, I'll just go ahead and put it out. No, it's it's the best I can do given the resources I have. One of those resources is time. It could be people. It yeah. could be attention. Whatever those those resources are, I'm going to do the best I can do. I can look, look myself in the mirror at the end of the day and say, wow, that wasn't perfect, but I did the best I could do given those resources. Yeah. And if not, then I still learn from that as you well. You learn from it. You either, what is it? What do we, we always say? This, it's uh, you either, we either win or learn. Yeah. You don't win or lose. <laughs> you either win or learn. It's like put That's it good. out. Just last night, we were sitting down. We were talking about like uh, putting out like uh, the the inside jokes mm-hmm. the show that I do, right? And uh, we we're we we're discussing whether we should compile. It's basically four comics come together. They all bring a joke that's, you know, like a too divisive, offensive, pisses off the audience, and we workshop it. And I put them out as singles, right? So I do each person's joke. Right. We work together on it, but that's an episode on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I want to take the four people we do it with, 
put all their episodes together and then release it as a, a podcast when it, when it's done when we already put it out yeah, on YouTube. Great idea. And Alex was like, well, what do you think about just releasing each one as a podcast? And I'm like, ah, they sound a little short for the podcast. I think podcasts might be longer listening. And then I said, but fuck it. Let's just try it. Right. Yeah. Like, like we're at the point right now where you just try it. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work, it's not the end of the day. Like the reason why it was the end of the day before is because a network put $10 million into this project. Mm -hmm. And now you're canceled. And, and they lost ten million, yeah. right? We don't lose any million like this. No, right. so it's just yeah. Let's just try it. Now I, I still am, am leaning towards the longer form because I think on podcast people want it, uh -huh. but I'm not adverse to just giving it a whirl. Like oh, maybe people want a thirteen minute. I listen to several three minute podcasts from KCRW. Yeah, really? they, they just do like these three minute little blips. I mean, maybe I also it. listen to. Uh, this morning I woke up at three a.m. and I was uh, I I was so happy because. Joe Rogan and Alex Jones have <laughs> Dude, a podcast. that was so fucking entertaining. Ha have you heard? Did you hear some I was of watching it? video clips of it last it's night. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Awesome. <laughs> he's it, so entertaining. Dude, I, he's so entertaining. I brought Ryan in here, and I, I, I said, oh, look, I'll just move it to any moment. Any moment. In <laughs> like this five-hour podcast. Yeah, the first moment was like, I'm going to tell you all the secrets of the Nazis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was talking about like interdimensional alien child molesters, oh and you're like, Oh, like there are people who actually believe this stuff. Yo, in a weird way, he he was endearing, and you see why he was able to believe all the absurdity. Mm. Because we exist in like a framework of society where we accept certain things aren't happening right now. Right. Like we are sitting here right now, and I can't say exactly how you guys feel, but for the most part, we're like, all right. Slaves don't make my phone. I mean, they make my phone, right. but I'm just gonna. No, there's like some cognitive dissonance that ha that we have cool. to have. We have to have to function. It's yes. very normal. It's yeah. complete. Uh, you know, are we? You know, are we responsible for what's happening in Venezuela right now? Who knows? But we just look the other way, right? Right, right? He decided not to look the other way about everything. <laughs> Right, <laughs> so he we're looking this way. He is going straight. He's like those salmon that are trying to swim up the river. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're trying to like get up to the next little thing, uh -huh. or whatever like that. So when you go and swim that way, you find out some unfortunate shit, mm -hmm. right? You find out you're like, oh shit, the America was doing experiments on like syphilis mm -hmm. in other countries, mm -hmm. and like, and America admits it. Mm -hmm. yeah. All you need is two of those stories to be real. And you start believing everything. Else. Boom. Yeah. Right. So you're like, holy shit, we've had this conspiracy and we've admitted it. And this one, if we've admitted it. And then somebody says Sandy Hook and you're like, well, why could, if we gave yeah. thousands of people syphilis, why couldn't that happen? Right. It becomes more plausible. It's like when you're, when you're uh, got somebody on, on the, um, in court, when you're, what is it called? You're grilling a witness. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Wait, when you're giving them, I don't, I don't well, know. You basically grown a witness, or, yeah. and, and or the witness is testifying, uh -huh. and you're like, you basically get him to admit that he has lied in the past, or she mm -hmm. has lied in the past, right? Uh -huh. So they're like, so you lied about that in the past. He's like, yeah, I did. So how do we know you're being truthful now? Right. It's over for you. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's over. Right. Right. Once you admit that you've lied once. Yeah. We're gone. And Which is fun. absurd because yeah, we've all told a lie. It's, it's what you were saying yesterday where it, it, it is and it isn't. It is and it isn't. Uh, mm -hmm. Yesterday, I, I, I lied about this, and today I'm telling the truth. Can both be true? Yeah. No, you lied one time, so you're not credible ever. 
yeah. yeah. No, it's that's such a straw man argument. But the unfortunate thing is, you get people like Alex Jones and his, you know, fan base or who, whoever, man, that they they do go with that argument and they just this is one thing is true. So then I'm going to draw all these conclusions. And, mm-hmm. and you know what? I get why they silence him. Yeah. Not because he's dangerous. It. How do I say it? They si- <laughs> They silence him. If they are silent him, whoever the they is. Well, I mean, Twitter, Twitter's got him off. YouTube kicked him off. Like, yeah, all the whoever platforms the kicked is. him off. Yeah. Whatever it is. But like, we're. My assumption is it's not YouTube and Twitter, right? My assumption is it goes way up, mm. right? And then the way up is Possibly. like, yo, chill, 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 chill with this guy. He's mm. causing ruffling too many feathers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can have him operating in like a niche part of the internet. Right. We cannot have him as an everyday conversation. Well, it's spreading so much misinformation is the problem. Here's the thing. Hmm. Let's say he's right 50% of the time. No. Okay. No. Well, like, hypothetically. Just, just, yeah, just, just for the thought experiment. Okay. okay. It's like 1% or 2%. But Let's say he's right 20% of the time. Okay. <laughs> We've met in the middle. All right. Right. Sure. All doesn't right. Matter. He's right 20% of the How time. Okay. It, it, it doesn't matter. Like, uh, we, right. it can even be 10% of the time. Sure. All right. Do I hear five? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the percent, it doesn't matter. Let's see he's ever right once. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. If he's right once, everything else he says that's crazy has some validity because you're like, well, he was right about that fucking syphilis thing. Right. Right? And he was right about something else. There's another right. thing he's going to be right about. He's right about those gay frogs. So, he's, <laughs> so yeah, he, 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 the gay frog is an interesting thing. But like, the, so what then ends up happening, which is weird, is... If he gets famous enough where people start believing that some of these things are true because some of them are true, uh-huh. he's what he is is a symptom of lying to the public for the public's good. And I'm not saying he's the one lying. I'm saying the powers that be are lying. Uh-huh. Mm. And you need to lie because you need certain myths for a society to function. A yeah. society cannot function with raw truth. I mean, I don't, a, I, don't, I don't agree with that, but I understand why you would say that. Bro, 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 bro. Do you know how much fucked up shit has to happen before this table gets here? Yeah. Do you know how many fucking, like, you guys don't have diamonds, but, like, do you know how much fucked up shit has to happen for the diamond to get on your wife's yeah. ring? Do you know how much fucked up shit has to happen for the, the cameras to be made? Like, right. it's so, you know how there's little Chinese kids putting the same container as these cameras and they're shipped to America. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's or, fucked. Or the pollution that it, that incurs by from making a camera. Yeah, there's a ton. I, yeah, I see what you're but saying. we need certain myths for society to function. Mm. It's like we need Tim Cook to come out here and be like, I'm a good guy and Apple's a good company, even though we literally have slaves mining cobalt for our phones. Mm. But this is the is and it isn't thing. Yes. They can be both at the same time. 100%. They can be both at the same time. Not saying they can't, but... For a society, what I tell you yesterday when we were talking about that, that is and isn't ain't for everybody. Right, right. Vegetable and why is for 99% of people. Just asking why is a lot for people. Mm-hmm. Ask your parents why. Ask your parents why. Yeah. They still go, why, why, uh, you know, asking why is crazy. When you go is and isn't, you shake people's foundation. Yeah. yeah. Okay? Yeah. You can't do that. That's not for everybody to do. And and the government and all these things, the society society functions way better with vegetable and a little bit of why. Mm-hmm. If everybody starts going is and isn't, woo. 
<laughs> dangerous. So when you become the guy who goes, hey, everybody, here's some shit that isn't, isn't, and it's about Nazis. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, people go, okay, shut this guy up. Right, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, what the yeah. fuck? This guy's saying that the, the, the Clinton people, are they're out here killing people? Yeah. Maybe they are. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. But- you, you don't think guess, they're going to want them quieted a little I bit? I guess, like, what's the balance with that, though? Because, like, you think about the Sandy Hook thing. Like, the reason why that is bad is because it's harmful to, well, A, it's harmful to uh, the victims. Like, there's no respect for the victims. And then it's harmful to the the parents or, or the relatives or the friends of, of the kids. So so you're, you're losing, uh, they're losing empathy. But then not only are they losing empathy, they are gaining, like, death threats, so, so I, I agree with you. There has morally to- bankrupt. I'm not saying I completely disagree. It's just it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. I'm not just. I'm not saying. What I'm saying is, once you believe a certain amount of things, anything is plausible. Sure, you can, you can start making these leaps. In fact, we were talking about this on the elevator. We we're coming down to get him because one or two percent of the things that he talks about have some validity to them, right? right? He's he has become the expert at connecting the dots extemporaneously. Yeah. So he just he, he'll say, yeah, all right, here's this crazy theory, but it happens to be true. And then I, somehow he every single conspiracy theory is he's, linked to he's the very other talented. one, and, and oh, he's able to sense. like hop between them. <laughs> yes, and and like the second he runs out of thread in one, he just hops the other one. It's yeah, there's right. a lot of bullshit that goes along with that. I'm not justifying in any way what he's doing because he can only hop on the surface. Yeah, it's right, it's yeah. The, the, the frog hopping on on the lily, the lily pad. pad. Yeah. If he if he goes into the water, he he can't swim. Mm. Can't swim, and he drowns. And Rogan would try to be like, well, where is this written? Where can I see this? Right. Where can I see this? And he'd be like, oh, it's in the mainstream books. What does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. he, he, at one point he said, it's in the deep literature. Yeah, what is the deep oh literature? Like, he's just saying books because he knows people won't read. Uh, right? Like, he's just truth. saying the thing you won't go to, yeah. you know? But and all I'm saying is, whew, it's just an odd... He's an odd, he's an odd duck, and I think he's aware of what he's doing. But mm-hmm. I think there's also a part of him that truly believes it. Sure, I think there's certain things he doesn't believe, and he's like, I'm just gonna drum this up for whatever, right? Because and it adds to this other, because it adds to this other shit, right. and it, and but it, there's also something interesting about us craving that. Like, what does it say about news now that we're craving truth in these obscure places in the internet? Yeah, like what does it say about the information we're getting. It, it, it's a complete lack of trust in media, right? Yeah. Like, why is Jordan Peterson a guru to some and Alex Jones a guru to some? Mm. They're really not... I mean, they're, they're, they're very different people, but right. people are going to YouTube for truth, right? Yeah. And truth is and isn't, right? Yeah. Like, if you go to parts of the world that are devoutly religious you know what i mean Uh and a woman is caught driving they believe that she should be stoned for that right Mm -hmm. that's truth to them neil degrasse tyson talks about there are three different types of truth so so there's the objective truth you know the the, uh, uh, scientific facts kind of thing uh, I'm six foot two. That is the truth, given all the the circumstances right. of you know being with gravity and everything else. Uh, there's the, there's subjective Are truth. You a man? <laughs> <laughs> I've been you asking him, I've been asking him that for so long. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but like how crazy is that like you can't you're not even a man when science says you're a man so what is the truth anymore yeah. that's why everybody's anxious yeah uh, okay yeah so that that well, that every, is yeah. that is it's an objective truth that i have a a, a y chromosome right um it is then we start talking about the the subjective truth like what does that y chromosome mean within the context of language right um and and then of course we can have all the conversations uh around that and then the third truth is sort of like the the political truth Mm. um which uh if you say something frequently enough it becomes a truth even though it is actually a lie um, if you if you repeat the same thing over and over and over, it becomes it becomes truthful. What what does uh, your co-host Charlemagne say? He says uh, uh, the believing the truth. Uh, we, we don't want to hear the truth when the lie is more entertaining. No one cares about the truth when the lie is more entertaining. That's absolutely true. That's political truth in yeah. a way. That's Alex Jones. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we watched. You and I both know it's bullshit, but yeah. it was engaging. Yeah. It was yeah. there. It was intriguing. It's like watch. It's like reading a comic book with this guy. What's interesting about this is like, so take a, a news outlet. I'm not going to like sit here and you know single out any news outlet, mm-hmm. but you can take one news outlet and you can look at a story that they did, mm-hmm. and then you know it comes out like, oh, they faked this story or they didn't tell the whole truth of the story. So then this automatically, like we were talking about earlier, we automatically assume like, okay, we cannot trust that news source now because there was this one fake thing. But what boggles my mind is then we turn to people. Like Alex Jones, we turn to YouTube. We turn to some guy in his basement yep. mm-hmm. who's putting together a conspiracy theory video for the truth. And it's, it's it, no matter where you go, it is going to be is and isn't. Yep. I guess maybe it's like picking what is the what kind of is isn't do you want in your life? <laughs> well, because again, like we're looking for con- we're looking for uh, confirmation, not information. But mm. so we oh, have yeah. a feeling we want justified. Whoever justifies it, then we're going to go there. But like absolutely, you, Alex Jones, you blame that on the media. Alex Jones is a problem because of the media. Yeah. If you didn't purposely report fake shit mm. to su- to like support an agenda, and this is to the right and the left, they're yeah. both doing this. Absolutely, you are not giving real news. You are pushing forward an agenda about the way you feel about the world. Mm. That's been exposed to the American people. That's why we have Alex Jones. That's why we also have Philip DeFranco. Yeah, just a YouTube kid or guys probably in his 20s maybe 30s and he just gives like an objective take on whatever the you know trending topic is it could be ariana grande it could be this alex jones interview and he literally will go this is what the left is saying this is what the right is saying you know this is where i think is going on it's it's a simple thing to get both sides in the information and he gets Mm -hmm. millions of views a day Mm -hmm. why is that because we're starving for truth yeah starving for it whose fault is that that fake news shit that trump says is true. Yeah. He's not wrong. It, yeah. it, it is and it isn't, right? right? It's, it's always it's, been fake. Yes. <laughs> it, it's 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 fake and it's real, yes. right? Depending yeah. on what cuz news point. is just as broad umbrella. Uh, yeah. how however, when there are times when someone like Trump or any any other politician says, "Well, that particular news story isn't true." It, that doesn't mean that it is or, or it isn't true. It, right. it, it yeah. probably There's truth in it and there isn't truth in it. Yeah. Man, what's right? what's frustrating though is like the this these these untruths that are being uncovered and exposing some of you know some of these fake sources it's diminishing all of these institutions that we have in place that we look at to to help guide us and, and to give us the most truth but because of it is and isn't it's like where do we turn yeah for 
for, for the for the truth or where do you where do you what institution can you really trust it's like i mean you take the fbi like they're getting shredded right now mm. and uh or or the news outlets or um whatever man fbi is a good example fbi cia these institutions mm-hmm. they're partially there to maintain the mythology mm. right like to a large extent yeah that's partially partially part of their role is hey this is what we want america to be Mm -hmm. and you need listen there's a reason every day kids i pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america like you said if you say it enough it's true Mm -hmm. there's a and i support that i'm not one of these guys that thinks we should live in in anarchy and chaos we need to humans will believe anything Uh and we'll believe alex jones so as the people who run a nation, you have a responsibility to curate their beliefs. Mm. That is our responsibility. And we want it curated. We don't want chaos. The reason why all these people are anxious is because you're tearing apart the fabric. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we've created, uh, through, especially through technology, we've created that paradox of choice where where it is... I mean, that's what this this book, uh, Cal Newport, he, he's coming in next week uh, mm-hmm. to talk about it. I actually heard Charlemagne talk to you about this. On yeah, he brought that up, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, what we've done is we've, we've added all these new inputs. So you talked about being able to have the plausible sort of deniability, like maybe something bad happened in the manufacturing of the camera over here, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe it's also doing something good. And so for me, I, I automatically think about I, I want to tell myself a particular narrative, right? Yes. That there, there's something good, inherently good about that. And I need to filter out 99% of everything yep. that's going on in life. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I, because if not, I, I would go, I would literally go insane. Yeah. We did uh, it with R. Kelly for years. Sure. Uh, because he made good music. We said the, the, the music is good. Uh, let's yeah. Eh. Let's not let's not go below the surface. Sure. And mm-hmm. and and I think we do that. The industry did it with Weinstein for years. <laughs> yeah. In a way, we haven't found a responsible way to do it with our technology yet. And so we are we're we're, we're cascaded with uh, what five hundred thousand discrete bit, bits of input every single day, mm-hmm. and we can't we can't figure out like what is true what isn't because we're drowning you're not looking for truth we are when drowning, you, man. Yeah. We're, we're drowning in in information yeah wow. and, and but why are we why are we seeking it or why are we seeking those bits of information is because we're wildly anxious mm. and why are we anxious is because all the structure has been removed from us now that structure is real fake it doesn't matter religion operated as a structure right you know where they're not anxious and fucking Beirut, you know what I mean? Now, mm. they got bombs blown up all over themselves, but they're like, all right, as long as I pray five times a day, you know what I mean? Right. I don't eat pork. I wash my hands and feet. I'm good. Mm. Everything's fine. I have a strict now. Are there going to be people that are miserable within that? Sure. Right. Are there going to be people like, man, I'm gay. I can't come out. This fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yes. I. Ev- like like we said, both things both are and aren't, yeah. you know, but we removed religion from society and I grew up with no religion. We removed religion from society. And we basically are right now in the process of saying nothing is real. Whatever you feel, right now they're saying that if you, there literally is an article, an essay put out that if you don't feel a certain age, you shouldn't have to be it. (laughs) Now we giggle at that. This is postmodernism that is sort of unraveling. Unraveling, right. The unraveling of postmodernism, right? And things 
are and aren't. There's an amazing, some amazing things about postmodernism, mm -hmm. right? But there's also some terrifying things for most people, which is the structure of society, which is what humans need. We need rituals to keep ourselves calm. Yeah. And that's what we put in place, these rituals. This is what you're supposed to do. You should work these days of the week. Yes, please tell me which days you should work of the week. Dude, you know how anxiety-ridden you guys are in this world when you first stopped your corporate job and you didn't have to go to work yeah. Monday through Friday? Mm -hmm. You're like, am I productive? Am right. I a good member of society? Well, it felt <laughs> like slamming on the brakes. You're, you're driving 100 miles an hour, and then all of a sudden it's, and it's zero. And what do I, I don't, do? I don't even know what direction to go in. You don't know what direction? You're like, am I being a piece of shit? Uh -huh. Am I productive? Alex, I think, was telling me he had panic attacks. Mm. You don't know what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You freak out, so then you stare at your phone, and then you just get that nice distraction. Okay, I got some things to look at. That's mm. a funny video. That's a funny video. Okay, I'm a little bit calm. Let me keep on moving. Yeah. This is what happens when you tear apart the fabric of society. Now, I'm not saying that fabric was made out of good shit. That mm. fabric was very uncomfortable for a lot of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay? But you need a fabric. That's so we need to make a fabric. And that's why I think a lot of times... When you say there's like truth in me, a lot of times people come to me because I give them fabric, right? They, they're they searching for meaning. They feel things. And a lot of times I speak on those feelings and I give them a reason why they have them. And it comes through a joke. So there's some candy or some medicine in the candy. But then they're like, ah, oh, some structure. Yes. Okay. Not all the bathrooms need to be gender neutral. All right. That, it, that, you don't hate people because of that. It's right. just a lot of work for a very small percentage of people. You uh -huh. know what I mean? Like yeah. I just put out the joke I had about it was that like, you know, do we make all gloves mittens now? Because some people have six <laughs> fingers. Like it's just, you don't right. have to, you're not, you're not being an asshole to people. You're just like, it's a lot of work to go into every restaurant and say, yeah. hey, 10 grand to renovate your, right. yeah. I'm already 10 grand in debt. Well, you're 20 grand in debt. Right. Yeah, no, Ryan, no, no, has, Ryan has webbed toes, so he can't wear the Vibrams. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just two of them are webbed. Why you got to call me out on the, well, they're like, a perfect <laughs> example. So it's like, should those sneakers not exist? Right. Because 0.1% of the population right. is fucking Aquaman. Or do they need yeah. to, or do they need to start making Aquaman? Aquaman shoes for the one percent in every single size, and yeah, that's. I think I think what, what and happens if they did though, that, that would alienate the people that aren't web footed. Yeah, right, what what happens whether it's 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 trans transgender people or people with web feet or whomever. Uh, I think what what's getting lost often in the conversation, and thankfully this is where you can bring it back with comedy, is we lose compassion for these people. One of the best ways to be compassionate is to include people. One of the best ways to include people is to joke with them. Absolutely. Uh, 100%. Yeah. If I don't make fun of you, I don't respect you. Uh, <laughs> simple as that. Like, that's, that's the good. first sign of, of respect and, like, equality if I can bust mm -hmm. your balls. If I'm not making fun of you because of a certain thing about you, it means that um, I don't see you as equal enough to make fun of. Yeah. You know what's mm -hmm. interesting? The, the old apathy. I pity you. Yeah. That's why they don't make jokes. These people. Oh, you should don't don't do that. That's oh, please. Yeah. Know. Oh, come on, come on. Yeah. In a weird way, that's Who's, saying that person's lesser than me, just because he has webbed feet. Oh, bro, that's. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, first off, I know I'm better than you because I have webbed feet. <laughs> <laughs> Real talk. That's some supremacy shit right there. That people don't realize though. Yeah. Like, not the webbed feet, but like the like I'm not gonna. I feel bad for you. Uh -huh. Let's protect you. Uh -huh. You're just protecting yourself. How do people not see that? It's like interesting. It serves you to look down on others because now you're above them. Mm 
Yeah. Right? It's yeah. it's no different than racism or any other form of bigotry. It's, hey, we have to not talk about lesbians this way. They've had it really rough. Who hasn't had it really rough? Who has, who's got it really good? Oh, don't mind that conversation. But yeah. they've had it. You're just serving. But if you were like, yeah, they have lesbians got it rough. But look, shit, I got it rough too. Things happen. Yeah. Right. You, you don't know what's going on in your life. Yeah. And, and, and what you're doing by being like truly inclusive is including everyone, even in, in, in the most difficult conversations, the, the, the jokes, the, the humor. And, and what I found is when we, when we include each other, that's the best way for us to actually be compassionate. Yeah. I mean, for me, like growing up and hearing that apothem of, of, of uh, we create our own reality. Uh -huh. It's like I used to look at that like, you know, just BS and other cliche. Yeah, it sounds a bit woo woo. Yeah. In a way. But like the yeah. more I grow up, it's absolutely true. It's like because I was raised in a religious environment and, you know, I can look at religion and I can say, you know what? You've got a group of people who have common beliefs. They're really, truly looking out for each other. They feel for each other. They have the same goals. They, they, there's this community that, and I think we all need a certain community. Or I can look at religion and be like, man, these are child molestation factories. And they're, it is and it isn't. And, and really what it depends on is what is the narrative? And you talked about this, you know, just a minute ago. What's the narrative we tell ourselves? And it's not even like what we tell ourselves, but what do we want to tell ourselves? Yeah. And, and I think that is where... Like I find sanity. And Fuck yeah! You see both. Yeah. Not everybody does, and you have to be aware of that. But like, you see both, and religion way more good than bad. Sure, absolutely. Way more good than bad. Yeah, totally. Like agree. it is so easy to just sit here on our high horse and and say, oh, look at all the the problems that religion has caused, and look at all these kids that were touched and shit like that. Let me tell you something. Kids get touched by non-religious people too. Absolutely, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We're just programmed to see the bad. I think it's, it's sort of in, in human biology, we, we, we look out for the bad because it kills us. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. That's so true. We, that, we, it's like the glaring anxiety. Yeah, the bad could possibly be the sign. Avoid this. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. Um, I don't think... We, we act like religion creates the pedophiles, right? Right. No. No, no. Huh. They're drawn to the power Okay, yeah. the pedophilia. I don't. Th I, I maybe this was random. I don't think it's about liking kids. I think it has nothing to do with the age of the kid. Interesting. It's raw power. It's the power, the control, the, the control, mm. the complete dominance, and that person that is so innocent, which often happens to be a kid. But you look at R. Kelly. My boy Duval was kind of explaining to me. He's like R. Kelly had a thirty-year-old woman in his camp as well. But mm. she was completely enthralled in him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he had complete and total control. So they get off on the power and control, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Now, if you're someone coming up and you want that power and control where people are wrapped around your finger and you're in this community that's religious and that religious person who's running your congregation is literally the focal and power point of the community. He's right. a superhero. You're coming up and you're going, I want to be that because mm. then I'll have all the power. Yeah. Right. Same it, it, people that become like priests and shit become politicians. Don't get it twisted. That's, that's yeah. exactly where I was going to go. Don't get it twisted. People yeah, be, become president. I, I don't think that Donald Trump is motivated by money. I mean, if he was, he he wouldn't have tried to become president, right? right? And I think the same is true with anyone else who has become president. Money will probably end up being a factor somewhere, but the, the main motivation is power. It's control. It's, uh, it, it's being able to be the, the head of some sort of... Um, 
well structure that is beneath literally beneath them right yeah and be able to have all these people wrapped around your finger and supporting that feeling that you had like did you watch that uh, abducted in plain sight documentary no i heard about oh, it though i mean there's this guy who basically like people you know he he basically like has sex with everybody in the family. He just destroys his family by seducing everyone, the mm-hmm. father, the mother, and the daughter, mm-hmm. wow. right? And I'm like, how could this guy get off? He, the father jerks him off the, of the other family, like jerks him off in a car. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, how could he even get off on that? Like, yeah. I just couldn't get off on that. And I, then I, that's what put the power thing in, in play for me. I was like, oh, he doesn't get off. Uh-huh. His sexual trigger is not your body uh-huh. or how you look. The sexual trigger is the the subservient and the dominance and the power. So he can have a guy whack him off Uh or he can hook up with a 14-year-old girl because it's all about the complete power he has over them. Mm. Or be in a seemingly traditional relationship with a a, a woman and all of those have to do with having someone serve you in, in some way. 100 so Brandy, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's finish with one more. Uh, Aria. I currently work for a large company as a research scientist. I enjoy the field of work that I'm in. It aligns with my values, and it's an honor to develop new medicines for patients. However, I don't want to get caught up in the corporate rat race and become burned out. Do you have any advice on being successful in a large corporation without falling into that trap? You know, the thing about the rat race is you even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. <laughs> and and Ryan and I learned that when we were doing the, the corporate thing. And for me, it took, I mean, I'm glad that Aria is asking this question now. It took, yeah. for me, my mom died, my marriage ended both in the same month. Yikes. And those two events will sort of force you to look around and start questioning what your life's focus yeah. is. Yeah. And he's, he's asking that question now. It doesn't require the car crash to start driving more safely. Right. But... Sometimes after you get into a car accident, you're like, ah, maybe I should, maybe I should pay attention to the road yeah, in front of me more. Absolutely. What's interesting about Arya's question is, I feel like I got good and bad news for him. Like, <laughs> no matter what you choose, if you do it long enough, you're gonna get bored of it. Yeah. Like, what, we have this thing where, you know, we we want to, you know, be a, a filmmaker. So then we start to learn cameras and techniques, and then you know, you become a really good film like your film filmmaker. You master filmmaking, and once we master something. Like our, our brains are programmed to start looking for other things to master. So, you know, the, the, corp, the corporate job for me, it's not like, is this, you know, is he working in a corporation? Yeah, he doesn't want to get stuck. It, as long as the corporation that he works for, as long as it doesn't go against, you know, his values, his beliefs, and like he's living up to his, his true self in this corporation and not compromising those things, like that's fine. He's got to find other ways and other things to master. It's not about job hopping. It's it's more you know hobbies could 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 take that. Well, I mean, I think about Andrew with with what you do with comedy. Can you imagine? And there are a lot of comics who do this yep. who are still doing their set from 1998. Can't do it. And and mm. the the amount of burnout that I would experience from that, and especially if that was the only thing you were you were doing, you've perfected this hour, and then all of a sudden now that's yeah. the hour for, that you're going to do for the rest of your life. I think that's true in the corporate world as well. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, once you get stagnant. I mean, he said he kept he's continuing to make new medicines and like new cures for people. Mm-hmm. Like right. that should be enough to stimulate you. Yeah, yeah. If, if, I think if you're spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's Ari fucking spoiled. Yeah, I think it's like you're a doctor. 
or an engineer at least, right? Like you're making cures for human beings. You seem to like that. Like that's not a rat race, dog. Uh Like that's a great thing. Now you might just not like your job as much as you think. I think that's what it is. I think, or it could be the corporation itself. Maybe you have a terrible boss. Maybe you have that's life. Yeah, yeah. Suck it up. Well, or or change change the circumstance you're in. Oh yeah, get out of it. If you love being an engineer or doctor or whatever, but but you hate your boss, then find a new boss, right? Or become your own. You could cure disease in a lot of different places. That's a great point. But like, I think you need to have like a gratitude check. Mm. I think you need to like. I think you're searching for like this outside happiness. You know, it's you're in like the the I want to be a billionaire uh, mode, mm-hmm. right? And it's like you're like, oh, once I'm a billionaire, then I'm gonna be happy. It's like take a moment, go travel, go to like India, and you see people shitting in a hole in the ground, and you're like, whoa, dude, mm-hmm. my life is sick. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like I think you need to, I think you need to realize if you really like your job or not. Do you like it because you're helping people and you think that's what you're supposed to do? Mm. Maybe you don't really like what you're doing. If you really do like what you're doing, then compare it to everything else that's possibly going on out there. Because it sounds like your job's pretty fucking sweet, if you ask me. Yeah. Right. Cure disease? <laughs> like, that is awesome. Like, I wake up every better morning. better than any of us are doing in this room. Right. Bro. Also curing diseases. Dude, like, just the idea that you could cure anything. Like, I, my left toe doesn't bend up. If I could fix that myself... That would be so empowering. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would love that. What a cool thing to fucking do. Yeah. You know, like, the fact that you could wake up and, like, have the sniffles and be like, oh, I could go cure that today. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think you bring up a good point about if he if he actually does hate the job itself, like, maybe he's not yeah, doing what he wants to do. Yeah, I don't think you're doing what you want to do. Yeah, then then you can't keep going down that same path and expecting happiness, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Doing the same thing over and over. And, and so, yeah, you might have to turn around, even if you're 10, 20 years into it. Yeah. Now's a better time to turn around than ten years from now. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so you have to think about that. Uh, Go before, be a priest <laughs> or a politician. Yeah. <laughs> before we wrap up, uh, Andrew, I just want to acknowledge you, man. I, I think you're doing something meaningful for the world. Thank you're entertaining you, people, Amen. but you're also informing them. You're creating a space to talk about things that are really, really hard to talk about. Thank you, man. I want to encourage all of our audience to check out your YouTube channel. It's uh, YouTube.com/slash/TheAndrewSchultz. Check out your new special. Check out the shows you yes. got going on there. And we're grateful you decided to, Thank to you drop so in with Thanks us. Million, yeah, man. check the special. New uh, part drops every Sunday cool. for the month of March. So I hope you guys like it. Share it. Give it away. I'm giving it to you so you can give it to other people. And hopefully, you know, it gives you some joy and it gives them some joy. And uh, that's really what I'm trying to do with this whole thing is it, let's let's spread a, spread a little of sanity and happiness. So go Dude, for it. Great job with it, man. Thanks so much, yes, guys. Indeed. All right, it. y'all. Love people. Use things. We'll see you next time. See ya. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab oh i bet that you'll be fine without it so take